Anna McQueen, a very good morning to you. <laughs> good morning. Sorry about that. That's all right. Are you being inundated with people calling going, what the hell am I going to do? Uh, yes. Yeah, there's there are people. Obviously, there's a spectrum. So yep. there are those who are impacted or are likely to be negatively impacted, and they don't have cash reserves. Yeah, so those are people who are in that survival mode. And then there are those who are actually unlikely to be impacted, which might be essential services. Those people who are in those jobs, and then there are those who are going to be positively impacted as a result of COVID. But the problem at the moment is everyone is panicking yeah. and they're not, they don't have clarity as to which lane they're in. They're assuming that they've all gone into survival mode yeah. where most of us won't actually be in survival mode. Okay, so are these people who don't, like me, have budgets so they, they aren't in control of what's coming, going out, what's coming in, so they just assume the worst? Yes. Well, I think it's the uncertainty. I think it's the pace of change. It's that they don't have reserves. They don't have line of sight as to the speed at which they do spend their money. So they don't know how long their reserves will last. They're aware there are all these actions they could be taking, but they don't know if they're the right actions for them or whether in taking the action, as an example, a mortgage holiday, that they... um, well, what does that do for future them? Is that going to erode some opportunities for them or create more of a problem down the path than what they were anticipating? Yeah, so we had, all, sorry. Sorry, we had a question on that from um, on Friday. Um, one says, if we're forced to use a mortgage holiday for our tenants, are they liable to repay the interest after all is done? Seems renters are under the impression as landlords we don't have to repay the interest. Yeah, it's well, the landlords definitely have to repay the interest or anyone who takes a mortgage holiday, whether it's someone who's directly impacted by COVID or, as you give the example, a landlord. The A mortgage holiday it needs to be rebranded because it's actually it's a deferment of your mortgage cost and then there is a penalty or interest on top of the interest that you haven't had to pay. So it comes at a higher cost, which if you are worried about cash flow, which would be the case if you don't have any income, then you focus on cash flow and you forget about the cost. You, It's about trying to make sure you've got enough coming in to meet your outgoings and you defer everything you can defer. But you don't do that lightly. And I think so many people are wanting to We either think it's a holiday or Mm. that's something we, we should do. And it has a negative implication unless or for everyone, but it can be the difference between being able to survive or not. So in that situation, then you would do it. So what would be your advice to people now who might be on reduced incomes or who have seen contract work dry up, have applied for, you know, the through work the and income? Subsidy. Yeah. Yeah. So the most important thing when you're in survival is to create certainty of outgoings or outcomes for the next three months or 12 weeks. So you're looking at everything you've got. You're looking at what income will come in. And some income will come in, whether it's your leave, whether it's a wage subsidy, whether it's something from work and income. There'll be something coming in. And if you've got a partner, hopefully they've got something coming in as well. Then we need to look at, well, what are your outgoing? I mean, one of the positives of this is that no one can spend money, right? So if ever there was a time to cut back, it's kind of helpful. So then we say, well, of those outgoings, you've basically got, like, which is your electricity, your utilities, your insurance, food, and accommodation, because yep. everything else is discretionary. Yep. 
So then you say, well, of those things, you've got to be able to feed yourself and you've got to be able to keep the power going. So the cost that you could potentially defer would be your mortgage and would separately be your insurance premium, maybe your rate. Those things are all things that could be deferred, but the deferment comes at a cost. But when we're trying to get 12 weeks of certainty, the case is, well, we defer what we need to defer to know that you can get through the next 12 weeks, which gets you through the lockdown and out the other side. Yeah. And what we, well, the reason why we need to plan for this now is your head needs to be thinking about how do I pivot? How do I get myself employed? Who do I talk to? Because you need to be able to bounce back quickly once we get through the next 12 weeks. And the problem, Kerry, I think for a lot of people is they will get through the next 12 weeks, but they will not be ready to bounce back. Yes. And so what was supposed to only be a short, sharp impact will impact them for up to 12 or 18 months. And that's the high risk piece. Yeah, it's all of a sudden, you know, the slack gets picked up, but you get yanked rather than you smoothly go along with it. Yeah, or mm. you're not ready for, uh, for where there is opportunity because there are opportunities under different rocks than what they were beforehand. But we need you to have the clarity of mind to spot them. And we know that when you are financially stressed or panicking or near hysteria, it's debilitating trying to work through these things, especially relating to money. It's interesting because I'm lucky that I have a job um, and I'm still working, so I'm very grateful for that. But of course, within 48 hours of, of, well, even before the lockdown, I was having speaking engagements cancelled one after another after another. You know, at about six for the next few months cancelled. Yes, that was going to be the work that we do on the Hokianga property. So the earthworks were going to come in and get rid of the last of the pampas and the replanting and the people who I normally pay to do that. I've had to say to them, just hold off for you know a couple of months so that income isn't coming into them, and the trickle down effect goes all the way through. Yes, and that's when it starts to get dangerous, right? That, that yeah. the economic impacts of lockdowns or prolonged lockdowns are felt well after the lockdown ceases. Mm. And the, I guess there's an opportunity for people who uh, I, I think that jobs and things are going to be cancelled, but equally there's going to be a bounce back where there's going to be different types of jobs, different yeah. types of opportunities. And for a lot of the self-employed people, they're going to have to think, okay, well, where do we find our money so that we can keep surviving until you get your speaking engagements back yeah. and yeah. and that, that layer of income starts to trickle through again. But that could be another six months away for those people. So worry about Shane who um, contacted me earlier who's the, who's the has an earthworks operation and this is the season. He, he can't do it in winter. He can't tide his workers over for the 12 yeah. weeks and then go to work because you can't. It's just too wet and too dangerous. And he's wondering, he's looking at 35 years in the business and wondering if this is the end. Well, I think that for Shane, this is a time where you, he needs to be getting the right counsel from the right experts. And Who are when they? You're in, well, there's Business New Zealand, there's yep. me, yep. there's maybe their accountant, um, but they need to be talking to someone who they feel they can trust, who's got the expertise to look not just at their business, but their personal 
scenario because for so many people who are in small business, it's it's a combination of their life is blended into the business and and cutting off the business. Well, the business was paying for um, their perhaps their home office costs or their electricity or their petrol. So if they don't have the business, then those costs are now going to be pushed into their personal scenario and they're not getting income anymore. It's a much bigger equation to work through and you have to have a clear mind because it's it's challenging. Mm. But it has to be worked through. And what we know is that as we work through these things, either opportunities present themselves or you feel empowered to do the right thing for you. And failure doesn't isn't a business ending. It's you not being able to survive. <laughs> yeah. So what's the, what's the best way, the lowest cost, or the safest way to get you to that point? And for some people, it's a relief to work through some of these things. Um, a texter says, Hannah, I have an income, but I'm thinking of suspending KiwiSaver payments to have some extra cash reserves. What do you think? Uh, I think that would be a good idea if you can't survive the next 12 weeks without your cash reserves already. So if your cash reserves are so low that uh, any form of extra income is helpful, then yes, I think taking a KiwiSaver holiday would be a smart thing to do. Uh, Or at the very least, drop your contributions to the minimum if there is some tolerance. But KiwiSaver holidays is a great way to get a little bit more income in, and a little bit goes a long way when we're in lockdown. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What about getting access to KiwiSaver accounts? Do you think that the banks, the providers should be a bit more lenient towards people wanting to access the KiwiSaver? Well, I think it would be helpful for a lot of people to be able to access maybe five or ten thousand dollars in their KiwiSaver account for genuine financial hardship reasons. At the moment, the the process you have to go through to get access to it is quite laborious, and it currently requires you to default on your payments in order to qualify for hardship. And I think there are a lot of people who are in survival who are trying to not default on their payments, so they need the KiwiSaver payment received earlier. I think it's to to be a smoother process, I think it's going to require the government to make that a smoother process, like just to remove the restrictions on people being able to access. But the challenge with that is that um, we only want people taking a small amount of KiwiSaver out initially so it doesn't disrupt the market too much. Yeah. And and then you want to be remaining in KiwiSaver to get the bounce back when the market picks back up. And if you've taken everything out, all you've done is realise your loss. But I do think it would be helpful if the government came in and said, hey, r- allow everyone to get access to four or five or $10,000 over the next 12 weeks because that's the difference between some people being able to survive yeah. or having to go bankrupt. And I'm yeah. thinking, what's the point of having money when you're 65 if you're going to go bankrupt tomorrow? Yep. Um, if you're on the wage subsidy, should you top up the 80% with annual leave if wages are going to be reduced or is it better to save the leave hoping wages will go back up? Again, it comes down to the sensitivity of your cash outgoings. Some people will have to take uh, the leave, but I would prefer, (laughs) my recommendation is delay it for as long as possible because that's an asset for you. But if perhaps you and your partner were both impacted, then I would be taking leave. And similarly, if you thought your employer was financially unstable, I would be recommending that you take leave out sooner rather than later so you at least can get paid something. Good point. And Catherine makes a really good point too. I'm still in a well-paying job, so I'm paying forward a bit, pre-paying for my next few massages, hair appointments, etc., since these people can't work right now, 
those who can should pay forward a bit. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, um, yeah I'm yeah. the same. Pay, I paid my cleaner, who I've never loved so much. I'm tempted to pay my my children's <laughs> teachers at the moment to pay it forward, <laughs> just take them back quietly. <laughs> but yeah, I think that if you can, look, it certainly feels great and you get people are so grateful to receive that. Yeah. And what is the interest rate on a mortgage holiday? I'm not sure if all the finer details have come out, but historically the interest rate has been the normal interest rate that just gets added onto your mortgage. So you miss your payment, it might go onto a variable interest rate, and that is the rate that gets added to the mortgage over the next six months. Right. And my daughter's bought her first home. The house is empty, takeovers during lockdown. She was going to get flatmates to assist with the mortgage. Um, the texter says, I understand shifting is non-essential. It's cheaper for her to stay home, so she's not paying power, Wi-Fi, etc. What should she do? Well, you're probably going to need to get a mortgage holiday if, mm. if she purchased the property, and you're going to need to be able to fund any costs connected to that property. But if you can't inspect it, I don't know if you can settle. Because normally that's the final step. So maybe it's a case of getting the solicitors to talk to each other to agree that nothing can happen while you're in uh, level four. But at that point, you'll need to be able to move in quite quickly. I would say, though, when you structure your mortgage payments, structure them so that they are monthly, because that means that your first mortgage payment will come out four weeks after you've settled, which will give you another four weeks reprieve. Ah, that's a good idea. Very good idea. And good ideas as always from you. And Hannah McQueen, enablemeco.nz.